If you have your Bibles, I'd like for you to take them and turn with me to Psalm chapter 27. If you have one, keep it open because I'm going to walk through this bit by bit, verse by verse. We're going to talk about what the psalmist is saying here in chapter 27. It will also be up on our screens, and so uh, Jared's going to follow with me, and we're going to walk through this together. But I'm so thankful for what Jesus has done and what he is doing. You know, I sometimes in my life, I don't know if it's like this for you, but in my life, I try so hard to be a good Christian and so hard to please Jesus that I sometimes fail to remember that God loves me no matter what stage I am in my life. No matter if I'm struggling with an issue or having a difficult time in my life, I try to do everything that I know to do to get into a better position than what I know that I'm in. And I sometimes forget all that God has done for me in the past and what He's currently doing in my life and the future that He has for me. And this week, I just felt like in my spirit that I just wanted to speak encouragement over you. Man, I'm, tr I'm telling you, the last two years, we've worked hard at just maintaining faith. We've worked hard at just trying to get through whatever. And sometimes that can just drag our soul down and we can get discouraged we try so hard, and it seems like that we don't find the success that we're hoping for. But I just want you to know today that God loves you. And He has provided everything that you're ever going to need in your life. Now, I want to read Psalm 27. We're going to go through the entire chapter. It's only 14 verses. So don't get wigged out because when the pastor says he's going to read the whole chapter. It's just 14 verses. We don't know a whole lot about this psalm in terms of when it was written. We know it was written by the psalmist David. We know that he's the one who penned these words. But we really don't know historically at what point in his life that he wrote this psalm. It could have been early on. It could have been later in life. We just don't know. There's not a dated uh, script to it. In fact, some scholars believe that this psalm was written in three movements. The first movement would, it was during a time in his life when everything was good, all was wonderful, everything was great, and that's revealed in verses 1 through 6. And then 7 through 12, verses 7 through 12, was maybe written at a different time in his life when things were not as good as he had hoped that they would be. And maybe he was having some difficulty in his life. And then these same scholars believe that in verses 13 and 14 was a mature David who was able to blend the good times in his life with the difficult times in his life. That's what maturity looks like. When you can live in the bad times with the memory of the good times. Now, if you're married today, you know that there are times that your marriage is great and everything's wonderful. 
And then there are times that you just struggle day by day just to, to, to remain in the relationship. And there are good days and there are bad days. The same with raising kids. There are days that you look at those little children and you think, Oh my, there's never lived a child better than mine. And then there are those days where you say, This child is the way this child is because of the daddy. This child is the way, this child is spoiled because of the mommy. And it's hard sometimes. It's difficult. There's good days, there's bad days, there's good times, there's bad times. But it's that blend of maturity that comes into our lives that makes all the difference in the world. So let's read through this and see if we can pick up on some of what the psalmist is saying. Beginning at verse 1, David says, The Lord is my light. And he is my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. You could put in there instead of me. You could literally add that in there without doing any disservice to the scripture. Because when your enemy comes at you like a flood, the power of God working in you enables you to stand and they'll fall all around you. Isn't that good news? Verse 3, though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war rises against me, yet... I will be confident. That word yet there brings with it the meaning in the midst of the war, I will remain confident. Isn't that good news? You don't have to wait until the war is over. You don't have to wait until the battle is over. You don't have to wait until you've got complete victory over the enemy or that situation that you're, you're dealing with. In the midst of it, you were able to stand and say, I've already got this thing won. With Jesus on my side, I am an overcomer. I am more than a conqueror through Christ who lives and dwells within me. We don't have to wait till the victory comes. The victory is ours in Christ. Then verse 4, he says, One thing I have asked of the Lord, and that is what I will seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. And to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. You know what my prayer for you is every time you come into this house? It is that you will gaze upon the goodness of the Lord. You know, church has changed a lot. I, I, yesterday I was in Lexington. I've been, I've been put on this board that I, I get the opportunity to train young ministers and, and their spouses that are coming into the ministry. And so I spent the day yesterday with them. And, and, and on the way over, I was riding with Larry Higginbotham. I don't know if you know who Larry is or not. He's getting ready to turn 79 years old. And he's still, I, I can hardly keep up with him. He's just a man that just keeps on going. He has a call on his life. And his last breath, I believe, is going to be him saying, Jesus loves you. He's just that kind of guy. But we got to talking. He's been in ministry 55 years. I said, well, I've not served that long, but I'm 43 years in. We got over there. We were one of the other men 
51 years. And then the young guy on the board, 30 years. And we had the talking about how much church has changed and how much everything about the church is different than it was when we first started. You know, I remember when we first started pastoring, we didn't have singers like we have in this church. I mean, it just me and Donna just get up there and she'd, she'd play the keyboard and I'd I'd play the bass and we'd sing. We'd get our two little kids up there. and Jonathan was, you know, just a little guy and he'd hold his mic and sing. You know, Jonathan can flat out sing if he will. He just won't. And I'm praying the God, the, that God will uh, resurrect that gift in him. Aaron, she was little. She couldn't carry a tune in the bucket at the time. So we'd give her a mic, but we'd turn it off. We'd never turn it on. Until one day, she's standing on the platform, and she started going like this. And she couldn't hear anything coming, and boy, it ticked her off. And she turned around and gave us a piece of her little mind. And we learned that if we were going to make her stand on the stage, we needed to let her sing. <clears throat> but, you know, we didn't have what we have today. When, when we talked about lights, the only kind of lights we had is this kind. That was it. And all the lights in the sanctuary came on. It was just, you know, you didn't have to fire this up and fire that up. I, I pray for Bill's health. I really do. Because if anything ever happened to Bill and he got his reward early to make it into eternal life with Jesus, we wouldn't even know how to turn the sound system on around here. We wouldn't know how to do a lot of what we do. We're talking about the lights and the production and and we've got some of that, but we don't have a lot of it. And you can go to churches here in Louisville and all around the world. And I mean, there's strobe lights and smoke and everything else in the book. I'm not speaking against that. But what I am saying is, is that all those things need to simply be an enhancement to worship. They should not be the thing that we're worshiping. We should not go to that church because they have the best lights or because their smoke is really cool, or because their preacher is really young and awesome, and he's, he's, you know, he combs his hair right and all that kind of stuff, and wears that sharp clothing, clothing and all that. All that's good, but that should not detract from the reason that we come. <clears throat> and my goal for our church and for you is not that you come in and say, wow, the lights were amazing today, and wow, the music was great today, but all of those things would enhance the reason that we're here, <clears throat> and the reason that we're here is because Jesus is alive and well, and he has saved us from our sin. We have been set free. It has been removed as far as the east is from the west, and never will be remembered against us again. And that's the reason we come to the house of God, is to worship a Savior like that, and to get in our spirit that there's nothing that is impossible for God's people. That's what I want us to experience. He said, I want to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Verse 5, for he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. And he will lift me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy, and I will sing and make melody to the Lord. Look at verse 5. He said, there are going to be times 
that because of our circumstances and the battles that we're fighting, that there will be times that God will take you and he will hide you underneath his tent. Now, when we think about tents, we think about going camping. We think about these tents that we get inside of. But that's not really what this, this is talking about. It's talking about the shadow of God is what it's talking about. It's, it's talking about the shadow of the Most High God. How many of you know that we all have a shadow? I've got a shadow in front of me right now because of the lights. I have a shadow to the right and the left and behind me. We have shadows. <clears throat> and what he's saying is, is that there are times in our lives when we just have to get under the shadow of God. We have to be so close to him that no matter where we move, we are moving in conjunction with the shadow of God. We are holding, if you will, his leg and we are pulling ourselves up close to him <clears throat> so that if we need to move to the left or if we need to move to the right, we do so as he is moving us in his shadow. There are times that we just simply have to rest in the shadow of God. You remember what I said earlier about I try so hard to be good. I try so hard to be holy. I try so hard to be a good pastor. And I try so hard to be a good husband. And I try so hard to be a good dad and a good, uh, you, know, you know, good pops and all that kind of. I try so hard. And there are some times that I try so hard and I just keep on failing and in those moments, I just need God to pull me up close to him and say, get right here, son, next to me. Don't get away from me. Stand right close to me and stay in my shadow. Because as long as you're in my shadow, there is no enemy in heaven, on, in, in, in hell, on earth, anywhere. There's no enemy that can come against you because you are staying in my shadow. The kids are in Gatlinburg, so Boomer came to our house. You know who Boomer is. He's my big labradoodle. Uh, he lives with Aaron and the kids right now, but he's still my dog. And the way that I know that is, is that when he comes to my house, wherever I sit down, that's where he is. He comes right to where I am, or he'll come to Donna and sit right, and he gets up on the couch, and he'll lay his head right here in my lap. And when I left to come to church this morning, I had to make Boomer get off of me so that I could come to church because he's laying on my lap. He likes to be close to me. He likes to be in my shadow. He knows that I'm his provider. If anybody's going to put water in his bowl, it's going to be me. Anybody going to put food in his bowl, it's going to be me. If anybody's going to open the door so that he can go outside and relieve himself, it's going to be me. If anybody's going to put him in bed, it's going to be me. If anybody's going to talk to him and pet him and put medicine in his ear, if anybody's going to do that, it's going to be me or it's going to be Donna. He knows who he needs to be close to. And just like Boomer likes to stay close to my shadow, there are times, church, when all we can do is simply get as close to God as we can possibly get and say, I don't have the answers to this. I don't know what to do. I don't know what step to take now. I don't know where I'm headed in the future, but I know, God, that wherever you lead me, I'm going to go there with you because I'm going to stay in your shadow. 
And that's what David says. There are times of trouble when I just have to stay in his shadow. But then he says, there are times that he lifts me high upon the rock. Man, I like that. How many of you have ever watched the movie The Lion King? Can I see your hands? One of my favorite scenes in the entire movie is when the lion is, he's up on the rock and he's just looking out over his kingdom. And he's just giving it one of these. He's got the biggest chest. He's not Pentecostal because if he were Pentecostal, he'd have the biggest belly of any lion that ever lived. But he has this big chest and he's got it all poked out there. And he's standing there with confidence. And he's standing there knowing that he is the king of the, the, the area. And what David is saying is, is that there have been times that I had to just grasp a hold of God's leg and stay in his shadow. But there were other times when the season changed that he said to me, you don't have to stay cl that close to me now. You're strong and you're full of energy and you're full of power and strength and authority. And so now I'm going to take you off of my leg and out of my shadow and I'm going to set you high up on the rock so that you will stand there with authority. There are times that we've got to stop just hanging around the legs of God and get out and about and do what he has anointed us to do. If we ever could figure out how much power and authority that we have flowing through our spirits and in our life because of what God is doing in us, man, we wouldn't be afraid of anything. We wouldn't sit back and say, oh, I don't know if I can do that or not, or I don't know if I can do that, I don't know if I can go there, I don't know if I could ever be a witness, I don't know if I could ever sing, I don't know if I could ever teach, I don't know if I could ever this, because we're thinking about our own power and ability. But when we've been under the shadow of God, and we have been close to Him, and He has anointed us and empowered us, and there comes that moment and that time when we step away from the shadow, and we rise up on the mountaintop, and we say, all things are possible because I believe in the God that I serve. For some of you, it's time for you to do that. Stop being afraid. Stop talking about your anxiety. Stop talking about your fears. Stop, stop talking about how you shudder when you think about this and you shiver <clears throat> when you think about that. Start talking about, my goodness, there's some kind of power flowing through me that I'd never noticed before. I can feel it in me. I know that it's rising up. It's like a, a river of living waters that is flowing up out of my belly, and I am energized and empowered. I have authority over the enemy and authority over the devil and authority over everything the enemy would send my way and I can beat this thing in Jesus' name. That's what David was saying. And then the next verse is where some scholars say it begins to change. Notice his words in verse 7. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud. And be gracious to me and answer me. You have said, seek my face. And my heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. Don't hide your face from me. Turn not your servant away in anger. All you have been my help. Cast me not off. Forsake me not, O God of my salvation. For my father, my mother have forsaken me. 
but the Lord will take me in. Let me just say something to you right here at this point. It may be that there are people sitting in this very sanctuary this morning that you feel forsaken. It may be that you were raised with a, in, in a household where maybe the dad wasn't there. Maybe he just he left when you were a baby and never showed up again. And you were raised by a single mother, and it could have been just the opposite. Mom could have left or died or whatever. And you were raised with a single parent, and you've always felt like that you missed out because you didn't have the two parents. And let me just tell you something, that if you have God in your life, He will be a mother to the motherless, and He will be a father to the fatherless. And whatever that human individual would have provided in your life, God will provide that same blessing in your life on a level that no human could have ever achieved. It's, I'm not trying to discount the hurt that you've had. I'm just saying that it cannot define who you are because God is there to define you differently than what you may be feeling or what somebody may be saying about you. He will define you based on His graces and based on His characteristics and not what the world says that you should be. So no matter what you faced in your life, let me just tell you, you will get your turn standing on the mountaintop and looking over your situation and saying, I have overcome because of what God has done in me. Yes. Amen. Then he goes on and he says, teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me on a level path because of my enemies. Give me not up to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me, and they breathe out violence. So you can see there where some of the scholars would say that this is probably not one of the good times of his life. This is probably one of those bad times when somebody is saying things about him that are not true. Where people are trying to uh, tear him down, and they're trying... <clears throat> to, to take away his character. Now listen, David did some things that he shouldn't have done. And, and he reaped what he sowed. How many of you know that we will all reap what we sow? So we should try to be the best that we can and to live in holiness. But there are times that people will say things about us and about you that you don't deserve. But what David is saying is, is that when that happens, when they're breathing, breathing out violence and they are rising against me, then I believe that you are able to change and turn the situation. And then the scholars believe that the next two verses, 13 and 14, is when he puts all of it together. He blends it all together. I don't know how many of you may keep a journal. Can I see your hands if you're good at journaling? I see a couple over here and over here and over here. I've tried it from time to time, but it just doesn't work well for me. I even got me one of these computer programs where you can journal and type it in, and I thought, well, maybe that would be better because I don't write real well, and my, my handwriting, sometimes I can't even read my handwriting. You know how it is? And I, I, don't, I don't journal very well. But you know what? I don't know why, but God has given me a memory that that is pretty decent now my wife tells me that sometimes I miss the details of the story that I'm trying to tell 
Uh, for instance, a few weeks ago, I was talking about kimchi, and I told you I got it in Ecuador, and when we got home, she said it was not Ecuador, it was in Korea. And I thought, you were right, they don't even have kimchi in Ecuador. They have it in Korea, but that's where I was. Sometimes I miss the details, but I have a pretty good memory, and I can remember the things that God has done through me, the significant moments in my life where God came through for me in a way that if he had not come through for me, I don't know where I would be today. I remember when I was about seven or eight years old, I was playing basketball. My mom and dad had just taken the assignment at a church in El Dorado, Illinois, small southern Illinois community. This was our first day, and they were having a big dinner for us. They got us, uh, they, they got the, the school and had one of those big old-time uh, buffets and all that. And I, I stuck a lemon drop in my mouth and went out and started playing basketball with all the kids seven or eight years old, and while I'm playing basketball, I sucked in, and that thing went down in my, my throat, and I choked, and I couldn't breathe, and I can remember thinking, I don't know what I'm going to do. I have no way of getting that out. Did everything that I knew to do. I finally felt myself passing out and losing consciousness, and all of a sudden, some brother in the church, I don't even remember who it was, came over and grabbed me and turned me upside down and grabbed my ankles and gave me about two or three of these. This was before the Heimlich maneuver. They didn't know that. In those days, they just turned you upside down and shook whatever was in you out of you and kept shaking until it came out. And he kept doing this and doing this and doing this until finally a little yellow lemon drop came out of my mouth and I gasped for air and I lived. And I'm so thankful that I lived. Because if I hadn't lived, I wouldn't know you. And I wouldn't have these opportunities. I'd have never been able to get married. I'd have, I'd have never had children. I'd never had grandchildren. I'd never be privileged to go around the world and preach the gospel. I'd never have that opportunity here in, in Louisville. And I can remember what God had done for me on that night. And he raised me up and he gave me life. Now that's just one example. I could go on and on and on and tell you story after story after story and example after example after example of how that when I had come to the end of my rope and had no ability within myself to save myself or change my circumstances and situation, God moved on my behalf and did for me and in me only what he could do and change my entire circumstance. So what I'm saying to you is that there are times in our lives when everything will be good. There are times in our lives when everything will be bad. We've been through some pretty rough times in our life, not us together, but our family. Been times that we scratched our head and said, how did that happen? What in the world's up with that? What could we have done different? How many of you ever ask yourself that? What could I have done different? Let me just tell you something. There are times that other people will make decisions that you would have never made, but their decisions will affect your life greatly. You'd have never done it. You'd have never said it. You'd have never gone that direction. But it doesn't matter whether or not you would have because the decision of that one has impacted your life and other lives and the lives of people all around.
And if you're not careful, you'll spend the rest of your life being bitter about it and angry about it and frustrated about it and you'll wonder about it and you'll think, why, how, how could that be? Why would that individual make that choice and that decision? And if you're not careful, you will spend the rest of your life just thinking about all the bad stuff that has happened to you. Can I encourage you today that you don't have to dwell there? Learn your lessons. If there's anything that you may have contributed to the situation, learn from it and move on from it and move beyond it. You remember me telling you a few weeks ago that there's a difference between restoration and, and regeneration. And, and, and God does different works in our lives. God brings us back to a place where we once were, but I don't know about you, I don't want to stay where I once was. I want Him to redeem what happened in my life and make it greater than it's ever been before. So I'm not praying for your restoration, I'm praying for your redemption today. So that God will not just bring you back to where you were, but he will bring you back to that point and then say, if you'll just go with me, I'll take you up higher. I will set you upon the mountaintop so that you can stand and declare victory over this situation. Redemption. So verses 13 and 14, he said, I believe. Say, I believe. I believe that I shall, say I shall, look upon the goodness of the Lord. I said, well, yeah, we're going to go to heaven one of these days. We're all going to go to heaven. It's going to be great in heaven. Danny, is it going to be great in heaven? Oh, yeah, they're going to have pork chops there like you've never had in your life. It's going to be good. I know some of you aren't pork people. My daughter's not a pork person, but they're going to have Mexican food that is amazing. In fact, it'll probably be a buffet with all kinds of food from all nationalities and nations, edges, or whatever you want you're going to have. I'm just making fun. Heaven's going to be great. Do you believe it? Are you ready to go? All right. Do you want to go? Is there anybody here today that you're not saved, you're not in a relationship with Jesus Christ, and you know that if you lost your life today or if Jesus came back that you wouldn't make it to heaven? If there's anybody like that right now, I just want you to know that he will save you and not turn you away. The scripture says he will in no wise cast you out. And if you'll just utter a little prayer right now, even if it's under your breath, right where you sit and say, Lord, I believe in my heart that you are who you say you are. And I believe that you did what you said you did. And I am convinced of it. And I want you to come into my heart right now and save me from my sins. Right there, you can be saved right now in Jesus' name. Do you believe that? But when are we going to get that blessing? I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord when? I remember on the day that we got married. I mean, I knew this girl. I knew how pretty she was, how beautiful she was, how much I liked hanging out with her. But I'm telling you, when I was standing right here in the church in in, uh, Granite City, Illinois, where we got married, I'm standing right here. And I was so nervous. I was sweating. I mean, I I was just, I was a wreck. And I knew her. The night before in the hotel where I was staying, I took a metal wire hanger. And I was so nervous 
that I was pounding it on my leg like this. Just going like this. Did it for forever. And finally, my family, they said, what are you doing? I said, I don't know. What are you talking about? I didn't even realize I was doing it. And man, my leg, I, I had whelps on my, my leg. It's like when my mama used to say, you go out and cut yourself a switch. And don't you come out here with one of those little things. Uh, because if I have to send you back, I'm going to go cut the whole tree down. Uh, and I'm going to whoop you uh, with your pants all the way down to your ankles. Some of your problem is that your mama never did that to you. But where I grew up, that's the way that they discipline children. Now, I, I guess, I, I just, it, that's the way my leg right here looked. I was just pounding and pounding and pounding and pounding. And I'm, sitting, I'm standing there at the altar in Granite City. And then, and all of a sudden, the organ player, dun, 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 dun. And all the folks stood up. And I realized that they weren't standing up for me. Because they all turned around and looked at the back of the church. And I was at the front. And they brought those two doors. And I saw the most beautiful sight. I can still remember it. You were wearing white, right? <laughs> I mean, I still remember it. I, it's still there. I can't get it out of my head. It was, it was one of the greatest moments of my life. And I think about that. And I thought, one of these days... She's going to be my wife. And in that moment, I came to the understanding that it's going to be today. Right now. And we're going to spend the rest of our life together. And I've been blessed with a wonderful spouse in the land of the living. And isn't that what the psalmist said? He said, I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. It's not going to come when I go to heaven. It's not, I'm not going to have to wait until later. I'm blessed right now. The Bible says I'm blessed when I come in and I'm blessed when I go out. I'm blessed right now in Jesus' name. I have everything that I need. God has done His work in my life I believe I'm going to see it he said and then he says just wait for it be strong let your heart take courage and wait for the Lord verses 13 and 14 is the summation of verses 1 through 6 and verses 7 through 8 1 through 6 represent the good times 7 through 12 represent the difficult times. But let me tell you, if you wait upon the Lord, if you wait upon Him, then you can experience 13 and 14, which is the blending of the two. Where you take the good times and the bad times and you meld them together. And you're able to say, I know I'm going to see the goodness of the Lord. There's a song that's being played on the radio, Christian radio right now, that I really like it. I, I don't know all the lyrics to it. I only know one phrase, one chorus in it. 
And I think it goes with something like this. I see the evidence of your goodness all over my life. All over my life. I see your promises in fulfillment all over my life. All over my life. That's all I know. Every now and then, I'll just be walking through the house or through the church or whatever, and I just, I see the evidence of your goodness all over my life. I see your promises in fulfillment all over my life. All over my life. Listen, I know that some of you are going through tough stuff right now. I know. But instead of you allowing the tough stuff to get you discouraged and frustrated, remember verses 1 through 6. And remember the evidence of His goodness all over your life. All over your life. Well, He broke a promise to me that came to me years ago. Don't give up on the promises of God. That's the reason the psalmist said, wait upon the Lord. Wait upon the Lord because God does not lie. He cannot lie. If He's given you a promise, it's just a matter of timing. But it will come to pass in your life. And then you'll sing, I see the evidence of your goodness all over my life. I see your promises in fulfillment all over my life. All over my life. I know this has been different today. I, I get that. I didn't put anything on the pro presenter this week. I didn't have anything up there other than scripture for you to look at. But I really believe that having come through all that we've come through over the last couple of years, and some families didn't just go through COVID junk. They had brain aneurysms in the midst of it. Had heart attacks. Got a diagnosis of cancer. Had children that went nuts and crazy. Living all kinds of ways. We like to talk about COVID, but what about all the junk that happened in the midst of COVID? that might have been more devastating to us than even that. Well, let me tell you something. God was not surprised by COVID. And he's not surprised by brain aneurysms. And he's not, he's not surprised by cardiac problems. And he's not, surprised by, he's not surprised by cancer. He's not surprised by any of those things. The stripes that he took upon his back all those years ago are still effective for our needs today and he is able stand with me if you would this morning I want the prayer team to come up here and by the way don't anybody leave right now because after we pray 
we're going to have communion together. And we're going to do it the old-fashioned way. We're going to let you come up front and get your, your, your juice and your, and your bread. And we're going to communicate together at the Lord's table. But listen, if you're here this morning and you have a diagnosis for cancer, I want you to come. We're going to pray for you today. We're going to believe. Maybe you're in a process where they think maybe you do have cancer somewhere in your body. Come up here and we're going to pray for you. I want to pray for every individual in this house today who's having cardiovascular issues. You say, are you just picking things? No. I really feel led of the Lord to pray this morning specifically. So if you have any kind of cardiovascular issue, that's your heart, that's your veins, that, that's your arteries, that anything like that, I want you to come and I want to pray with you today. If there's anybody in the house today that you're struggling with diabetes, I want you to come and we're going to pray. So why you do this? Because the Bible says, if there be any sick among you, let them call for the elders of the church and let them pray. We're going to anoint you with oil today and we're going to believe, we're going to believe that God will heal you. Erlene, will you grab a bottle of oil and you just start anointing people? Just start anointing them. And prayer team, just go to where they are and begin to pray over them. <laughs> Church, just point your hand this direction and pray with, if you don't mind. You say, can I pray with the prayer team? Absolutely. The scripture says that if any two agree as touching anything on earth, it shall be done of them. Father, which is in heaven. We're going to believe it in Jesus' name. I, I don't know if you can play it or not, but can we just sing that, just that one little snippet of that song I was just singing? Do you know it, Stephanie? Can, 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 can you follow me? I see the evidence of your goodness all over my life. All over my life, I see your promises in fulfillment. All over my life, all over my life. Just one more time with me. I see the evidence of your goodness. All over my life, all over. Promises in fulfillment. I see your promises in fulfillment. All over my life. All over my life. Hallelujah. Now you can go ahead and sing what you had picked out. That'll be fine. Ma'am, do you believe that the Lord is our healer? Do you believe that?
like it at the root. That it might die in her body and leave without said in Psalm 27 because of all that you've done for me and the things that I can remember and even in the bad times I will overcome he said Here, here's the result of what you've done he said I will not fear I mean why would he why would he fear when he knows that God is on his side and that he shall see his goodness in the land of the living. Why would he be afraid? And yet so many people, so many people in this life are afraid and anxious and they carry it with them all day, every day. If you're here today and you're struggling with fear and anxiety, if you'd like to, I'd like to pray for you. I can either come to where you are, if you'll just signal for me to come, if you don't like coming up here. If you'll just signal, I'll come to where you are, or if you want to come to where I am, I want to pray for you that the Lord will give you victory over fear and anxiety. So they're going to sing it one more time. Either come and let me pray for you, or say, hey, come to where I am, and I'll start in that direction in just a moment. Come all the way up front. Come all the way up here. Come all the way up here. Right across here. Right across here. Ah, yeah.
listen, in this passage of Scripture today, there are three promises that are yours, and you can use every one of these promises against fear and anxiety. Notice verse 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Then it says, whom shall I fear? Then he says, the Lord is my stronghold. He's the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When he realizes three things, number one, that God is his light. So in every dark situation that you face, when you have no knowledge of it, no understanding of it, you don't know what to do next, you know what he's going to do? He's going to turn the light on. Because he is light. And he will give you the information that you need to deal with whatever it is that you're dealing with. And then he says, he's my salvation. That's not talking about getting saved. That's not what that means. You know what it means? It means that he literally is the one who refreshes your soul. He delivers you. The soul is the seat of our emotions. It's where we feel fear and anxiety. It's where we feel frustration. It's where we get angry. It's where we feel joy. It's where we feel happiness. It's where we feel whatever we feel. But what he's saying is, is that God is my salvation. When I realize that, why should I let my soul get all up in arms when I know that God is on my side? And then he says, the Lord is my stronghold. I I apologize for the example I'm about to give you, but it's the best way that I know how to tell you what that means. I don't know if you need help getting in and out of your shower because the floor gets slick and it's hard to get in and then it's hard to get out. Your feet are wet and you're always thinking, I don't know if I can get out without slipping and falling and busting my head wide open. When you get older like me, they have these things. They're called they're called assist bars. And and you can you can mount those in your shower. And when you go to get in your shower or out of your shower, even though your feet are wet, you can grab that assist bar and you can step over that obstacle into the water and take your shower. And when you're done, you can step out of that shower over the obstacle and go on with your life. And there's no fear because you're holding on to the assist bar. Can I just tell you that God is your assist bar and whenever you need to reach over and grab a hold of him he's there he is strong he is your stronghold he is your strength he will not let you slip and he will not let you fall but you can have confidence that he will hold you and you will hold on to him so let's pray father in Jesus name right now I lay my hands on Alex I'm praying that you will relieve anxiety and fear in his life and his body, that you will set him free in Jesus' name. You said that you give us liberty and freedom by knowing the truth of your spirit and your word. So I pray that you will allow him to experience freedom instead of anxiety and instead of fear in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray the same thing over Korah, that you will give her strength Lord, you will give her the wisdom to know when to grab a hold of that assist bar and know that you are her stronghold and that you will hold her tight in your care, in your keeping, in Jesus' name.
Amen, Lord, for Rosemary today. Take away the anxiety and take away the fear. Let her experience freedom in Jesus' name. And she realizes that you are a light. You are the restorer of her soul. That you are able to be her stronghold. I know you're able to do it. But I pray the same here. Anxiety and fear be gone in Jesus' name. Anxiety and fear, you've got to leave right now in the name of Jesus. You have no right to stay in the same place where the Spirit of God lives and dwells within my brother today. And so I pray you'll set him free in Jesus' name that his mind will be completely and totally yours. Free in Jesus' name. Oh, God, you're going to do a thing in Leslie that only you can do. I can't do it. Neil can't do it. No one else can do it. Oh, but God, you can do it. You are well able to do it. And I pray that instead of fear and instead of anxiety, that there will be strength and courage and confidence that will rise up in this young lady and that she will operate in a fresh anointing unlike anything she's ever experienced before. But there will be no room for fear and there will be no room for anxiety because you are her life and you are her salvation. You are her stronghold. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I lay my hands on Amber right now. And in the name of Jesus, I rebuke anxiety and fear out of her and off of her right now in Jesus' name. Has no right to be there. Has no right to take that place in her soul. And I command in Jesus' name that it leave right now and be replaced by boldness and strength and courage in the name of Jesus. Ha <laughs> ha! Lord, we come to the end of the line right here, but you've still got plenty of grace and strength, plenty of hope and plenty of strength and courage to go around. And I pray that you'll give it in Jesus' name for your glory. That fear and anxiety will be defeated in Jesus' name for the glory of God. <laughs> amen. Amen, amen, amen.